The Blockbusters Podcast is a proud member of the Pod Bros Network, where you can find us as well as other excellent podcasts such as Sarcasm City, Worst Millennials, and Late Night Gamers at podbros.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Blockbusters Podcast. Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Get away from her, you bitch! And like that, he's gone. Welcome to episode 95 of the Blockbusters podcast. I'm Paul. And I'm Brian. And today we're going to be talking about Joel's game. And uh, I'm going to get as much of this out of the way as quickly as I possibly can so we can move on to our guest. Follow us on Twitter at Blokebusters, facebook.com slash Blokebusters. You can email us blokebusters.podcast.gmail.com or on Instagram at Blokebusters. And we have a website, blokebusters.webs.com. And there we go. <laughs> oh, wow. I think you might have been close to cracking five seconds on that one. I that, think that, so. That might be your personal best, Paul. Uh, uh, yeah, yes. you should feel very proud of yourself on that one. Oh, oh I, do. <laughs> I, I I just feel bad. If someone listens to these at one and a half speed, that would have been really something else. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. You know, I'm, I'm not sure I want to listen to this at one and a half speed. <laughs> I, I feel like it would get very, very weird very quickly. All right. Um, I agree. Good. So, yes, uh, we are reviewing Joel's game. And the reason we are reviewing Joel's game is because we have a guest and they are the one that picked it. I want that to be very clear right now. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Why are you, are you starting off with that disclaimer? Um, well, I think it'll become obvious as we get into the oh, subject. Okay, matter. well, I mean, cult of Turkey, it is not. So it is take not, it that no. way, you will. Which, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will say it is definitely better than cult of Chucky was. So, yeah. Bravo right. for that. Uh, so yes, we have ourselves a guest, and it is the very lovely Jessica Cameron, who is a director, actress, and former fashion designer. So thank you very much for finding time to come on. Oh, thank you so very much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Oh, happy to have you, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, for people that don't know much or anything about you, uh, why don't you say who you are and uh, what life is like for you on a day-to-day basis? Uh, well, it's pretty hectic. I am an actress and a filmmaker currently, so I make films and I act in them. Uh, my first film, Truth of Air, as a director, was released earlier this year through Invincible Entertainment, and you can pick that up on Amazon. And Mania, my second film, was just picked up. I can't really release the details, but you can look for that hitting all the store shelves in every English-speaking country in the first quarter of next year. Um, as an actress, I've been very busy. Song of Solomon, which is a film that I play the lead, uh, is currently making festival rounds. It just opened to a wonderful crowd at Sitges in Spain and is on to Texas and a bunch of other festivals lined up. So you can definitely pay attention to everything on social media to keep an eye out for that one. Uh, Red Eye just signed Distribution, which is another movie I have a role in. Uh, so look for that. And then I'm in prep on the next film that I'll direct called Besties. Ah, you are very busy. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I like absolutely. to stay busy. It's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, it's, uh, being an, an actor, it's always best to be too busy than not busy. Because uh, that's where you start worrying, I imagine. Absolutely. <laughs> Same with as a filmmaker. 
Yes. Alright, <laughs> uh, so yeah, as I said, you are the one that chose this film. So why did you choose this film? <laughs> uh, because I've gone down the Stephen King rabbit hole, and I'm really excited that they've started to make Stephen King books uh, into films again. I don't know how much you're familiar with Stephen King, but he basically didn't like any of the ones that were formerly converted, and for many, many years, he refused to let anyone touch them, which is why we had a bunch of Stephen King adaptations in the 90s, and then they stopped. It's because he hated them. Uh, and he's only recently come around to being open to the idea, and he's very selective about who he works with to try to bring the movies to life. I personally loved it. I thought it was a really powerful film, um, and I'm really excited to see more of his work come to the actual screen. Yeah. Um, I, for one, have been a huge fan of uh, Stephen King pretty much my entire life. Like That was, we're talking adolescent reading, which probably reading some books that uh, probably weren't parent approved but uh, you know i just was an avid reader and yeah so i you know i was reading i was reading this richard bachman stuff and you know um yeah i've been on board with him for a long time and uh they said yeah this one reportedly one of the hardest to adapt or seemingly unadaptable uh, as far as this one goes but uh we'll get into that maybe yes and um... My own experiences with Stephen King are mostly the film adaptation because I I don't think he, he ever really came on my radar as an author. I definitely grew up more sort of sci-fi fantasy reader than the sort of psychological thriller horror type stuff. So outside of Goosebumps, because, you know, every kid read Goosebumps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I, I only read a couple of his books, and I've definitely seen a lot more adaptations. Uh, so I, I've i enjoyed the adaptations that I've seen, and I have not seen the one film that he directed, because he was fed up of everyone else's adaptation. Oh, that Max, is a Max fun one. <laughs> <laughs> you you can tell the uh, the cocaine was flowing on that set. <laughs> yes, uh, I don't know. Is that obviously I do a lot of cocaine? Does it flow? I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that movie is fucking bonkers. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I have heard, the only thing I've heard about the film, other than the very basic premise, is that Stephen King cannot remember directing it. So. Yeah, sounds about right. Mm -hmm. So I do know yeah. I want to see it at some point. Mm -hmm. I just don't know when that would be. Uh, but yeah, I, I obviously uh, I was about to say something. Another one is another one is Dreamcatcher because that one was reported. I think uh, Jessica, you might be a bigger fan, so correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe that was written when he was recovering from his accident being hit. And he was like all hopped up on painkillers. Yeah. And um, that is why that was, movie. Or, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. I, I don't know if he had anything to do with the movie, but the book is mm. sort of. Uh, oh, I've read the different. book and it is. Oh, it's every bit as insane. As it is. <laughs> I think the movie might be different from the rest insane. of his books. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Very different. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I'll, yes. I'll take your word for that. I've seen the film, but not read the books. So, yeah. mm -hmm. And I, I seem actually, I seem to be more of a supporter of that film than almost anyone else I've ever talked to about it. Oh, God. So, <laughs> Dreamcatcher? Really? Yeah. I, oh, I, I actually enjoyed hate it. that movie. I'm sorry. I think it's 
garbage. Yeah, I, I have to say, I think it's highly flawed. I, borderline unwatchable in some areas. Now, yeah, with two of like the best screenwriters in freaking like film history too. <laughs> uh, if I get oh who who was it? Um, yeah, William Goldman and Lawrence Kasdan. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it was one of the first movies I saw as a child that I remember thinking, this is just not good. No. <laughs> yeah. well, that's, no. that's that's kind of what you get with Stephen King adaptations, because <laughs> they, they, they're either going to work or they aren't. There's not a lot of middle ground there. Uh, yeah. now, I, I readily admit that there are many things about that film that just aren't good, but I still enjoyed it. I don't know if it's just because of the age I was at when I first saw it mm-hmm. or something, but it, I, I happened to enjoy watching it that time, so maybe... I think the nostalgia is there for me. <laughs> that helps or did probably Morgan movie. Freeman's worst movie. I would say, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and that says a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> Morgan Freeman, I like go through phases where he's just in like everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's he's at that point where he he cannot say no to a script. So it's uh, <laughs> pretty impressive. Um, but shall we get to the the film at hand? I feel like we should. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. So, so yes, Gerald's Game, directed by Mike Flanagan. Now, t- before I go any further, did anyone familiar with Mike Flanagan? I am. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his work. He comes from the indie genre scene. He's obviously no longer doing indies. He did uh, the first movie I ever saw of his was Absentia that I thought saw at Shriek Fest in 2011. It's a really good independent little thriller. And then I have obviously also seen Oculus and Ouija 2 as well as Hush. And I thought that they were all really, really great in their own ways. Yes, o- Oculus. I thoroughly enjoyed Oculus when I watched that. That was uh, a fantastic film and uh, did uh, did something that I kind of seen before, but in a new way. I I thought so. It was uh, that was a lot mm. of fun to see. Yeah, and I wasn't really familiar with him. Like I, I previous to Gerald's game, the only thing I had seen was Hush, and we won't go too far. That that didn't. I mean, I liked a lot of that, but it didn't work for me in a, the same way that it worked for a lot of people. Um, I, I really appreciated what was trying to happen with that movie, but it just didn't click for me. So I'm not going to make any excuses for that or whatever, but um, obviously I, I thought it looked fantastic and there was a lot to appreciate there. Then um, I would imagine I, it kind of makes me interested in more of his work because I have not seen Oculus and um, that's part of partly um, Paul and our listeners are very familiar. I'm not a huge horror, uh, horror uh, genre fan just because i think it's, it's such a difficult thing to do well um unless you're embracing the camp um which is also great um but to have a legitimate awesome horror film i think is very difficult um yeah. but yeah that's probably why i haven't gotten around to those well uh good news then he's also going to be doing uh, a tv adaptation of the haunting of hill house for netflix oh there we go yeah, so that that will be coming out um, mm-hmm. hopefully uh, beginning of next year. It hey, seems. So. I I will guarantee you I will watch that before I watch Michael Bay's adaptation of um, Dora. So <laughs> I will. <laughs> Isn't I, that what's that? Well, mean? I feel like that's not exactly high praise. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I said I guarantee. 
So, <laughs> I guarantee uh, I'll watch everything that exists before I watch that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. There you go. Um, and Paul knows I need to get into Michael Bay Slam about once every two or three episodes. So yes, you you. I feel like just one. Michael Bay slams himself by being himself. That that is yes. true, also true. Yeah, he doesn't need any help there. No. Um, and uh, oh, well, good news for the the Haunting of Hill House series. It actually has. Carla Gugino and uh, Kate Siegel in it as well, and uh, Henry Thomas. They're, they're, they're all going to be in it, so we're going to see them again. Uh, so, yeah, so, and I apologize if I butchered any of those names, which I'm sure I did, but I didn't actually think to look up how to pronounce Carla Gugino's last name. Uh, so hopefully I got it right again. I think she's like one of those actresses, too, that you might not know her name, but when you see her, you'll recognize her. Yeah. Yes. She's been in so many things, which I always like to point out. Yeah. Sometimes people are like, you'll... oh, I don't know them. I was like, no, 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 you do know them. You just don't realize you know her, but you know her. Yeah, yes. you'll drive yourself crazy trying to think of that thing you saw her in. And... Or just check <laughs> yeah. IMDb and it'll tell you all the answers. For exactly, you. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't realize until I was looking at it, I was like, oh, she was in Watchmen. And I was like, of course she was. Like, yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was very, very weird to, to look back and go, oh, that was her. But yes, uh, so Carla, as I'm just going to go for now on, uh, plays <laughs> Jesse Burlingham. Uh, or Berlin Game, as it's written, but I'm fairly certain it's Berlingham, who is the main character, I would say, of this film. Uh, and Gerald would play by Bruce Greenwood, who is, for me, is another one of those actors that's like, I've seen you in something oh, before, haven't I? And come on. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Pike from Star Trek is, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that, that was, I mean, obviously, he has lots of roles before then, but yeah. Yes. And that, that was that's what people might know him from most recently. Yeah, it was uh, it was something where I was like, I've seen you in something, and then as the film kept going, I was like, oh, yeah, he was in this. Oh, yeah, he was in this. So, mm-hmm. so, but uh, so there's that. I'm lost with this name. Karel Strukin? Yeah. Whatever, as Moonlight Man. Henry Thomas as Tom Mahout. Damn this film. <laughs> All of these names that I don't know how to pronounce. Well, let's just stop there. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that's the principal cast. Right? <laughs> yeah, we got it. There's not there. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of cast to go there. We don't need to read. There, yeah, no, that, that, I read this for two seconds. Yeah, that, that was basically mm-hmm. it. And then I'm sure we'll yeah. mention the other person that will pop up a little later. Okay, so. Yeah. Where do we start with this one? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, overall thoughts. I, I'm really interested to hear um, what our guest uh, thought of this. I mean, well, had you read the source? Had you read the book? I have. I actually grew up okay. reading Stephen King's novels. I wasn't allowed mm-hmm. to watch these as a child at my house, so I'd obviously go watch them when we had, you know, sleepovers and stuff at my friend's house. But I would read. I was allowed to read anything, so I started reading all of his books. Gerald's Game has been one that's always fascinated me because, by everyone's account and every expert telling that I've ever heard, uh, and all filmmakers I've spoken to, they've all said it was an unfilmable book. So if you're not familiar with the concept of the story, it's about a a couple that go away on the vacation and they get, basically, they they start to revive their relationship and catastrophe uh, strikes, leaving the females tied to the bed for the duration of the film. So not unlike a Buried or any of those other movies that have kind of this very limited space 
to actually have the story unfold in and make it an interesting 90-minute narrative. So I was always fascinated because the book's really, really powerful. It's really engaging, and it doesn't read like the book would be or that the film would be unwatchable or difficult to make. But by every account, and nobody wanted to touch it forever. So when I heard that one of my favorite genre directors was going to take a chance at it, I was really excited. So I also obviously loved our female lead. I think she's fantastic. I've seen her in a lot of things, um, and I always think she's really strong. One of those actresses that I hate myself for not knowing her name, because every time I see her in something, I think she does such a great job. Uh, and she's one of those women that you see over and over and over again, like you mentioned. So for me, I, I really love this film. I mean, obviously I could tell that you did not. Um, but for me, I thought it was really powerful. As somebody who grew up reading Stephen King's books, it's everything I wanted it to be. I thought they handled it with such care, and it was so powerfully and masterfully done. I didn't find myself looking at my computer screen once, which is something that I thought I would, because A, it's first of all, whatever you watch movies at home, and this film was released, I believe it's directly on Netflix, I think. Mm, yes, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Sometimes I get confused, because obviously I have Netflix and Hulu on my television, so I'm like, was it on one or both? Uh, but it was it was only released on Netflix, which means it didn't get a theatrical engagement. So when I see a movie in theaters, it benefits from the fact that you can't, you know, check your phone. At yeah, least you not can't distract yourself. Yeah. You. So when I'm at my apartment and a movie is so engaging to me that it's over and I realize I haven't looked at my electronic devices, it's really something that I think is remarkable. Uh, and for me, I was really engaged in the entire storyline. I haven't read the book in some years. I should clarify that. Uh, so I can't necessarily tell you how did it deviate, how is it the same. Okay. I can tell you that I felt it was especially strong. And I can see why Stephen King gave his blessing. If you don't know, Stephen King gave his blessing to Gerald's game as well as it, uh, which is unheard of. Yeah. Paul would, yeah. So I'm gathering that because Paul and I really don't share feelings on this uh, or on the things we watch until we kind of record so i'm but i'm kind of gathering you weren't the biggest fan of this paul i actually don't know why i'm giving off that vibe because okay i, I don't did. know okay <laughs> sorry if i mistook yeah uh-huh no i the the only reason that uh, i was saying that uh, it was not us that chose this was simply because mm-hmm. of the subject matter of the film and i felt that it would be a good thing just to point out that it was the guests that decided that this this film would be a good choice and I'm so glad you did because I would not have watched this otherwise um, I I sort of saw it popping up on Netflix and I was like oh well that's kind of interesting but I didn't know the book, having not read it growing up or anything and I, I was thinking well you know, maybe I'll see it at some point which is what happens to almost everything that's on Netflix at this point mm. uh, in my life but uh, yeah I, I watched this and um, general thoughts were it was occasionally uncomfortable to watch which is not something that I generally say as uh, Brian can attest to mm-hmm. but um, yes yeah, so a very a very different story I did I sort of got flashes of misery just in the basic mm-hmm. tie to a bed for most of the, the storyline. Yeah. Obviously very different um, plot point and stuff like that. And a lot of introspective stuff, which I do want to get into how they went about her talking to herself in the film. Cause I thought that was very well mm. done. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that uh, this film is 
a, a very good film that should be seen by a, a lot of people just because of the conversations I think will come out of it. And maybe the conversations that need to happen, which are not generally occurring. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, Brian, what did you think then? Uh, so I'm kind of uh, in two camps on this. Um, on one side, I, I recognize that this is a really well-made film. Like, there's no denying that this is a great-looking film. It's a great-acted film. Um, most of everything in here works for me. Um, and there are a couple of things that did not, which we might get into later. Um, on the other hand, it's... it's and I, I know this might be sound like a kind of BS criticism, but... It is so uncomfortable and kind of jarring for me to watch. And I, I know people screaming at me like, that's the point. Yeah, I know that's mm-hmm. the point. <laughs> so, yeah, I get that. Yes, I understand that. I'm not that, uh, you know, uh, stupid that I don't get that. Um, but irregardless, it still doesn't change the fact that I was just so, – and that's just not something – you know, if I'm watching fiction, uh, I, I guess I want – uh, most often, at least these days, I, I, I'm tending towards fair weather fiction, which, you know, we get enough um, uncomfortability in our everyday <laughs> lives, and um, especially uh, given this subject matter as well. Um, yeah. But from that aspect, I mean, it's kind of what I'm getting at. Is I, I don't think this is one I, I would watch again. I'm happy I watched it. I'm happy I sat through this, and because there, it, it is, uh, by and large, a, a very good film. Um, just not one I want to revisit. Yeah, it has some really tough aspects to watch. If you guys aren't familiar, it does deal with a woman who's... Uh, I mean, are we afraid of getting spoilers on the show? I don't think No, you know. no, we go spoil... Okay. Yeah. Spo- so, spoiler, okay. guys. Go, uh, go spoilers, char- yeah. The main character, and something, if you're familiar with Stephen King's work, he often... I don't think of Stephen King so much as a horror writer, and I honestly don't necessarily think this is an especially horror-type movie. Mm-hmm. To me, it's more a drama that centers around uh, a horrific childhood. And then a catastrophe as a grown-up, if that makes sense. You don't have a high body count. There's a little bit of blood and gore, especially in one scene predominantly, but not in a lot mm-hmm. of them. And there's some scenes that are just really uncomfortable. But the most uncomfortable for me, and I thought it was still handled with great care, were the characters past, at which point it's revealed that she was molested and or raped by her father. I liked how they didn't dwell on it. Again, I can't... I, I don't I can't tell you exactly what happened between her and her father. Just that whatever happened was wrong, should not have happened, and definitely affected uh, the lead's character throughout her entire life to where she is now. Um, so I really liked that. I thought they tread that line really carefully as a filmmaker. I think it's especially difficult to to walk that line. How much do you show so the audience can feel affected and they can you know fully understand that she she went through this horrific event without doing too much. And I thought that they showed it showed just enough to sort of hit all those notes. And I thought the actors were phenomenal in. Even oh yeah, uh, the young Jesse, uh, Kiara Aurelia, if I'm saying that correctly, she was amazing with some very heavy material. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a hundred and ten percent. And I do think that that like just that aspect of the story, I think is going to make it a difficult watch for some, and also unlikely to rewatch because you know it's not, especially in 2017 where it's not uncommon to see these aspects in real life in the news. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, not a pleasant experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I can definitely see this being very triggering um, for a lot of people if, you know, um, you aren't ready for what what happens in this film. So, 
Yeah, and um, I, I don't know if either of you have seen this, but Netflix on Twitter have changed their bio, and it now reads, not liable for any emotional trauma you may suffer as a result of watching Gerald's game. Oh, no, I have really? not. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, and if you actually look at the hashtag Gerald's game, it is just person after person just being like, okay, never watching that again, like never using mm-hmm. handcuffs. Like people saying, so, I came so close to puking. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, handcuffs, yeah, just keep them fuzzy, people. That's all, you know, that's just, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. I love that because I, I could definitely see how, for me, I could see how this could happen in real life. That's the other thing I really liked about it. Um, yes, it, it was very like, I was like, I could see how somebody could make these mistakes. It feels like something that could happen. You know, you go out to a, a, band, a really beautiful home in the middle of nowhere with nobody around for rest and relaxation. You know, you think it's going to be fun to try handcuffs to your antique wooden bed that's, you know, made of solid wood. And then, unfortunately, catastrophe strikes and you're now tied to the bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, yeah, very believable premise. And... Yeah, <laughs> I just I'm just thinking back on that opening, or I mean, essentially that opening scene, and just how just what a fucking asshole <laughs> Bruce Greenwood is. <laughs> His character is. I mean, right? He, he really he, is. Yeah, just yeah. The, that whole line, like, what if I won't? You know, what if I won't stop? Like, that is your damn wife. Like, what in the hell? Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really bought them as a couple too. Something that I'm a hard sell on, I would say, is couples on film. Maybe it's because I'm an actor, uh, but I really feel like you could tell when there's no connection there, and they're just saying lines. And I really believed that both of these characters and these actors were in this, you know, situation where they were together for enough time that they were kind of falling out of love, or arguably never in that love to begin with, and desperate to kind of rekindle that. Yeah. yeah, you definitely got very, even from that real opening scene with the, uh, you know, her um, compassion towards the, the stray dog and his just, you know, kind of just chiding her for having that compassion. Like, he really kind of sets up who these characters are and that maybe, you know, she had, you know, how did she know who she married? Did she kind of block that from herself? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, it, that was one of the most interesting things for me about the film in general was when it ended up just questioning, like, how much do you really know another person? Because how much did she really know him? If oh, this yeah. is what he'd been thinking mm-hmm. of. How much did he really know her? Because he, she kept so much away from him because she kept it away from herself for the most part. Like she just didn't think about it. So, like, all of these things that influence who you are and you just never actually end up sharing it. So... Uh, although I, the only thing I will say, and I don't know if it'll make me come off as uh, a bit of an arsehole myself, but uh, like the Kobe beef is genuinely expensive, so I can sort of understand. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, give, give him some bologna, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm sure he doesn't have any bologna in the fridge, so yeah. yeah that, well, and yeah. also, it's not like she knew that. She clearly was never. You know what I mean? No, I mean, not previously mentioned. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's it. I get but both I, sides. It's, it's unfortunate timing. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do think also something that I think has not been hit in a lot of the reviews for this one that I've seen that I really liked. These are, this is a couple that is, of course, exceptionally good looking and in shape. They're, clearly, it's a movie. However, uh, they're older than the couples that I usually see on television and in film. Yeah. And I really like that. I thought it added such a believability to it. You know? Yeah, yeah like I you get the feeling like this. this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Too often I see like 20 somethings constantly in movies and such where they don't have the emotional depth nor history to really have their characters going through the things that they're going through. And I think as an actor, it's more likely than not. And often is because people tend to be like, okay, we'll age the actors down. The actors have to be like early twenties. And again, this is a story that wouldn't have worked that way. You know, they kind of had to be in this place of sort of broken grownups that, you know, were on the other side of 40. And mm-hmm. realizing, wait a second, what, where, where am I in my life and relationship? Like, what's going on here? And I thought yeah. that worked really, really well. Yeah. Now, I know you said it's been some years since you read the book, but do you recall if the ages were similar to what we see on screen? Or you know, yeah. I, yeah. I don't recall even Stephen King mentioning an age in all honesty. Okay, so um, it could just be I in every. Like- in my every mind, they were always yeah. a bit older because, again, they were always like this couple that kind of. There was no Viagra in the book for sure. Keep in mind, it was <laughs> yep. the time of Viagra, mm-hmm. but I did picture them as young because, again, like they're they're a couple that has been you know seen better days. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like if you're early to mid twenties, that is your better days for most. So yeah, and I was kind of getting the impression like this could even be like a second marriage for one or both of them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like getting it, let's get it right this time. And yeah, not so much. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like then what do you do? Yeah. Exactly. No, I, I think always it was older come to think of it in the book. Uh, Cause again, he had a heart attack. Right. So oh, that is true. Yeah. Unless, heart. yeah. Unless he was, you know, not living a healthy lifestyle and yeah, probably a little older, but yeah. So, the first note that I actually wrote down when I was watching this was uh, a little after the heart attack. I felt that when Gerald come back, I thought that was very well done. Because mm-hmm. like, even if you know the basic premise and you know, you know deep down that he's not alive, it was a really good just false hope for a little bit there. The reveal... As well, when she does, they just peek over. It's like, oh shit, no, uh, I'm starting to hallucinate now. <laughs> and it was a, a good realization for the audience as well as her. So uh, the cinematography, the way that they handle that sort of thing, I thought was uh, very good for the majority of the film. I thought it was very solid. Uh, I don't know how you guys felt about that. Oh, I completely agree. I loved how they handled it as well, and also how the actor played it. I liked how you could definitely see her deteriorating as she was tied to the bed and the comparison between that and her vision of her stronger self, I thought was striking both cinematically and characteristically. Yeah. And I I would say most of that worked for me. And here's like one of those things where I said that didn't work for me a a little bit of the, like um, Gerald two and Jesse two, a little bit of it got a little too, like, sticky for me. Like, it seemed like they were kind of, like, working on a comedy routine or something at, at a couple points. Um, but most of it worked. I'm just picking a nit <laughs> uh, there. Like, their their banter, um, I don't know, for some reason, just kind of bothered me for uh, in certain parts. But most of it, I, I, I will agree that it was handled very well. 
Well, teach their own. I liked, I thought their bickering banter to me just felt very reminiscent of older married couples that I've known. Mm-hmm. So for me, it made it feel really real and relatable because I felt like I've seen these conversations start. I won't mention any names, but I, like very recently, as a matter <laughs> Please, of fact, names. I was at my friend's house, who is a, a filmmaker that most people know and adore, uh, and and they got into it a little bit, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is one of those moments. <laughs> I like those conversations. All right, kind well, of like never want to be around, but when they happen, you're like kind of like I'm still here, guys. <laughs> pretend to love each other and pretend that everything's okay until I leave, please. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to the toilet. I'll be back in a minute. Uh, can we be done with this conversation? Yeah, when I get back, yeah. <laughs> or I will have my ear up against the wall and listening because, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where do you want to head next, Paul? Uh, well, the, um, <laughs> I, 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 Let's keep I this train moving. Uh, I, I mentioned the cinematography. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but for a large majority of the scene when she's tied in bed and talking to her own personality, the way that the camera's set up is that every time she's looking at them, sort of POV, it's very sort of slow-moving cameras, just focusing on them. But whenever you get to see the flip side, where you're looking at her in the bed, the camera is static, and there's no mm-hmm. real movement. So it, it, I felt it was a very good way of showing the two, because it made you feel a lot more sort of, POV shot for the hallucinations and then just focusing on her. There's no movement. There's no moving away from the situation she's in with the obvious exception of when she's looking around and looking at the handcuffs and stuff. So you've got to do that just to make it more interesting for the viewer. But I don't know. Like I, I pick up on little things like that every now and again. I love that. I I miss that completely. So I can't wait to go back and relook at it and, Mm -hmm. and check that out for myself. You're right. I mean, I felt exactly what you're saying. Uh, you got out of watching it from like with those notes, but I just didn't notice it. I'm like, gosh darn it, bad filmmaker. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah. Hats off because uh, for a very static situation or like a very those kind of capsule films, you know, that take place in essentially one setting, it it is very difficult to make them compelling and for the duration of that movie. Um, but I feel like they definitely did that here yeah it's always really interesting when you manage to get so much depth and intrigue out of just one thing and it's just someone handcuffed to a bed and you like you think if someone handcuffs to a bed for 80 minutes how am i gonna keep watching this and the the, the film did it very well so that's that's nice to see I, i wasn't sure how much i would like it when i started watching it so and I'm glad it turned out. This well, I tried way. to pick something that wasn't like too horror-ish or genre-ish. I have actually, all, yeah, yeah I, I watched it with a group of friends who are just film fans, film buffs, if you will, uh, not genre lovers or genre specific, and they all really liked it. Even the two friends of mine I have that don't like horror films, uh, although they found it unnerving and unsettling, they really, 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 really liked it. So yeah, I could definitely see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, before we just get into the third act, I, I did just want to say I know we briefly touched on the flashbacks, but uh, can we all agree that the father was a manipulative piece of shit? Uh, <laughs> One thousand bajillion million percent. <laughs> um, 
He's I, definitely I, one of the main villains, for sure. I, I will reference one of my notes where I said, I wanted to see a dog eat her fucking dad. <laughs> <laughs> right? Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Because just the way, I mean, yeah, we don't, we don't want to spend too long in this territory because for, yeah, for obvious reasons. Um, not that we're afraid to talk about it, but uh, just in a sense, it's not nature, nice of to talk about. Um, um, just yeah, for anyone out there that is dealing with their own shit and doesn't want to hear this shit. So, um, but just the way he manipulates her into the silence is what gender power dynamics of you know just yeah, it's super fucked up. And I'm just gonna move on from there. <laughs> yeah, they, I I did want to say like as, as super fucked up as it is and all that. Like I think possibly the the best scene in the film just in terms of like writing I, I thought it was and god damn it like it's so twisted that that's one of the most beautifully shot scenes too like come on like yeah like, like the the contrast there of the awfulness of what is happening and how beautiful that that the shot is um yeah <laughs> it's really really jarring and uncomfortable obviously yeah. <laughs> i agree it's very difficult uh, well, and I guess speaking of difficult, um, how about we start talking about the third act then? Oh, can before we do, can we, I just want to uh, pick uh, our guest's brain here since she is the uh, biggest king of violence here, with me probably being a very distant second. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on King's shared universe that he's kind of set up through his novels and books, and any correlation you noticed in here kind of Easter eggs or things that maybe you noticed or wanted to point out? I didn't notice any in this. I know that he's referenced that. When I was growing up reading the books, I've never, I I didn't really feel like that was a strong thing that I picked up on even in the books, and I've not seen it in any of his recent Mm -hmm. films. So recently we have It, we have Gerald's Game, and we have 1922, which I have not seen, but I've heard good things about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, so far, are we, I, we're just completely ignoring the Dark Tower, right? <laughs> well, but how? When did that come out? Uh, that was just this year. Right? Oh, see, I, Early, it's, it's with uh, Idris and McConaughey. Yeah, yeah. No, then I, I need to go and look at it. I honestly, I don't recall seeing any. It, press it flopped. It was an enormous failure, but um, which was uh, I was kind of expecting that, even though I had hopes for it because that was one of my. I mean. That was one of my favorite series, and then one of my, you know, I was waiting for him to finish that Dark Tower series for years and years. Um, but yeah, that's one of those that's just so tough to adapt. I think a lot, like a lot of his stuff is. But I did know. Um, are you familiar with uh, Dolores Claiborne? I or, am. I really. So am. apparently, this happened. She's on the other side of this lake during that eclipse. Um, oh, okay. When when she is um, murdering her husband. Spoilers for Dolores Claiborne. <laughs> um, That's bad. No, I didn't. But I mean, yeah. again, like, to me, like, whenever the shared universe is that obscure, it's like, how could you know it's on the other side of the lake? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, this was just, this is nothing, not first-hand knowledge. This is just in my research. So I'm not <laughs> this intelligent, but, uh, or well-read uh, in King. But I was reading that. Uh, apparently they have shared visions, too. Um, she has a vision of being in a well and seeing Dolores Claiborne, and then Dolores has a very similar vision of seeing this girl that she doesn't know. Um, so that s- simultaneously supposedly happens in this universe. But I kind of found that interesting. 
That yeah. is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I would love to see like more. I'd like to see it become a little bit more clear because, like I said, there's mm-hmm. nothing in in this film that I saw that indicated that. Yeah. Again, so, it's definitely yeah. possible. Apparently, the the film adaptation of George Claiborne kind of threw out the connections to Gerald's game. Um, and that kind of started there. But then the other thing I did notice, uh, well, a couple things. Um, Bruce Greenwood's character says, I don't, I, sorry, I don't remember the exact line, but he mentioned something about life and how it's um, a beam or, a, or we're all on a beam. And that's a reference to Dark Tower, the, the beams that like protect humanity. Um, huh. And once again, just something I read on research, nothing I would have remembered <laughs> on my own merits. Um, and of course, then the obvious nod to Cujo. Um, calling calling the dog Cujo. I thought, yes. yeah. <laughs> of course, but I feel like I would even do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's just such a commonplace yeah, reference now. Yeah, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and there's actually a perfect time for me to ask this question. We got one question from uh, Cinema Recall, at Cinema underscore Recall, which was to you, Jessica, which is, which Stephen King story would you like to adapt? That is a hard one. I can give you time to think about it while we talk about the... You know what? I, I actually know I have the answer, even though I love I love the one that's already made. So I'm not saying this movie or this book because I feel like the first movie is anything other than great as it is. I would love to redo... I would love to do a new version of The Shining. And I would actually make it different than both the past book as well as the movie. I would love to do The Shining in a loose concept, but with a really strong female lead. Because I feel Ooh. like if she had nice. been stronger, it would completely flip the narrative on its head. In the book, she's not as weak as she is in the movie, in my opinion. But she's still, like, you know, a very common 1970s housewife. I would love to see it take place in 2017 with more of a 50-50 relationship and see how that changed the story. I absolutely love that idea. (laughs) Yeah. Not that anything, like I said, I still think The Shining should stay as iconic and wonderful as I really like this movie as it is. It's one of my favorite films. So I'm not saying this to be like, we need a new one. We don't need one. But if you had to say to me, make a new Stephen King movie, that's what I would Mm. want to do. I I find it very hard to go back and watch The Shining. I mean, as great as it is, just to know how tortured Shelley Duvall was on that set. Um, Yes. It's it's very troubling for me to enjoy those scenes. Uh, But yeah, to have a stronger female lead that Kubrick isn't tormenting, yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) Well, uh, what if you go the whole way with that and just flip the gender roles? So the, Mm. the, the Jack character is the female character. And you've got sort of the house husband, as it were, to use it. I think that could be really interesting as well. I just, it would be tricky, I think, for casting purposes. So I'd still want to keep yeah. the Jack as physically menacing and just men have a stronger physicality. Obviously, not each and every one, but yeah. for the vast majority, there's a stronger physicality. And I'd still be more curious to see how it would shift the story if the woman was fighting back stronger, more that she was... Absolutely, if, if yeah, she was more of an equal match, yeah, yeah. or close to equal, yeah. But very good. I Now you need to do that somehow. You need to <laughs> 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 yeah. I'll just figure out all the money, it'll be fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's an easy thing to fund, yeah. <laughs> totally. All, all right. right, so into the third act here. Yes. Does anyone have anything specifically they want to talk about right at the front here? Um, well, I mean, my notes are pretty succinct here. I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at this point, um, where she gets her epiphany, um, 
of how to get out of this situation. Yeah, I thought it was really clever. I didn't know, Mm -hmm. I'd forgotten how they had in the book, in all honesty. Mm -hmm. And I was like, let's just see where this goes. So I thought it was really, I believed it. I did not believe it. Sometimes I find that whenever there's almost like a third act epiphany, it feels very forced in films. And something that I liked in this is both the acting and concept felt very organic. I felt like it was plausible, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Paul, I just want to ask this to... Paul, because we covered this a, a few months ago here, even though it came out, <laughs> we're always uh, fashionably late on covering our films. Um, but were you getting any um, tones of arrival and the fact that, you know, she's just pulling, I know the time construct is completely different, but the the past helping the future, you know, pulling, or the future helping the past, as was the case in Arrival. Yeah. Uh, yeah Where she's, I... you know, pulling upon these, you know, having these recalls. Uh, and then using that in a recurrent situation. Yeah, I I will say that uh, when watching it, that didn't occur to me, but when thinking about it a little later, making my notes and something, it did kind of creep on me that it was like, oh, yeah, and it, it kind of reminded me of Arrival a bit. I just... Uh, I just... Yes, absolutely just, nothing else. Sorry, just on that basis alone. But, yeah, yeah. I was um, just still stuck on mm-hmm. just how much I enjoyed having her look into herself to find the thing. And she's not even consciously doing it. And it is, you're you're just seeing parts of her psyche coming out and being portrayed by these people that she's seeing, the the better version of herself, the the husband that she thought she knew, and then her younger self, who's, she's the one that actually gives her the, the proper idea that gets her out of it at the end. So it was, I just really enjoyed that aspect of it because I really like the psychology side of things like, when it comes to this type of thing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I definitely see what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, this third act, holy bananas. Um, <laughs> it does go crazy. <laughs> uh, I wrote, um, I feel like I've already sworn enough here, but I just wrote three one word three times and it starts with f and you can <laughs> guess what that is <laughs> did it get longer um, each time just <laughs> no, just to you know save the ink no um but yeah uh, yeah holy cow talk about I, it, that went further than i thought it was going to uh by far i thought okay this is gonna get a little messy and really bloody but the amount of gore holy smokes yeah <laughs> not an easy scene to watch by any stretch no <laughs> and no pun intended on stretch <laughs> <laughs> and, and for those of you that uh, don't know that particular type of injury is known as a degloving injury mm-hmm. so yeah you can kind of see why when you this thing that that was i'm sort of 50 50 on when she actually did it and you're seeing it it was 95% very well done, but you could still tell that there was CG in there. It's like... It, like I, I thought it was I don't, I don't know how much... I don't actually know if there was CG, babe. It was Bob Kurtzman who did the effects. Yeah, so I didn't I was, see any. I was surprised oh, there was CG. No, I don't think there was. I didn't okay, see anything, maybe. and I'm always really happy about that. Yeah. So it is possible that I missed something. It, but it I also felt all Bob, in camera. Bob Kurtzman is one of the best effects artists working in the world. It, I mean, it, it could have been that. I might just be, because I'm so used to when you see CG in film and stuff like this, and it's just so slick and so, like, shiny. Maybe I was confusing the light shining off of the the physical thing there, and it just made mm-hmm. it look glossy. 
So that yeah, they're where much glossy. Definitely glossy. Yeah, so yeah, that, I think that's yeah, where I, I was I, cool. At least let me put it this way: I didn't see anything that made me believe that it wasn't all shot practically. Um, yeah, I, yeah, nothing led me to believe otherwise. Right, well, uh, it it could also have been the the time of night I was watching it because that particular scene <laughs> I was watching at about eleven thirty at night, so I was, <laughs> I was getting it done quickly. I was getting it done. yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. So I will happily admit that I was almost certainly wrong in that respect. So in which hey, case, who knows? yeah, mm-hmm. uh, kudos to them for doing that all physically because. Uh, or practically, I'd say, because Ooh. that doesn't happen enough now. So, on top of that, yeah, then, yeah uh, just just a little tricky to watch. Like, my wrists were definitely aching as that was happening. <laughs> oh, you had some uh, empathy <laughs> things there? Yes, as much as you can, having not done it to yourself. So. Yeah, never having one, uh, wanting to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, just as a comparison, I mean, in, in a similar isolated trap situation, but once again, completely different circumstances, like the film Danny Boyle's 127 hours, by far now, much more watchable <laughs> that moment when <laughs> he is able to break his arm over this. Oh, my God. Yeah. Talk about taking it up a notch. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> that was, by the way, my one word review to Paul last night after I, I just said, yikes. Because <laughs> yes. we don't want to go into too much detail. But yeah. Um, so yeah, let's um, kind of wind this down here. And um, Jessica, is there anything else you want to touch on? or the, the, I know we want to get to the epilogue here. Absolutely. No, I think that's good. I think we should just get to the epilogue. Okay, okay. so what did you think of the epilogue i mean once again do you recall any of this from the book or uh, so I, it felt I, a little out of place for me uh, and probably your paul but go ahead i believe most of it's pretty close to the book from what i can recall with the exception of possibly not like the final final little end uh-huh. you know wrap circle you know where she like stands up in court spoiler uh, but I think everything else is pretty close. In fact, I know a lot of the reviewers I was saying who recently read the book said that it was very, very close to the book. So for me, I really liked it. I can understand where some people might not because it does like get to it, it's a very full circle kind of film. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things that I liked about it. Yeah, yeah I, I will say that um, the ending has the, the two sticking points for me in this film that uh uh, I was least happy about number one is that the Moonlight Man actually looked like he did in the thing. Like I was, I was fine that he was actually physically there. That, that I had no problem with that. I thought that was a good thing to have in there because uh, you know, then how much of what she did before was in her head or actually happening. But I felt that having him look exactly the same was a little bit too just easy i would have thought maybe a slightly deformed head and then like when she sees him it's like oh okay and it's less deformed and it is just in her state of being stuck on the bed and dehydrated she she made it look worse to herself than it was and she made him into the boogeyman as opposed to just an incredibly fucked up individual i i don't know again haven't haven't read the book i don't know exactly how true it is to that as well but um yeah the other thing as you said it does feel like it's an ending from a slightly different script to me because it really was everything was winding down 
and like she got into the car crash people coming to the car i personally think that would have been a perfect way to end it if it when it faded out that was it credits because i i love the idea of a film that doesn't need to give you all the answers and doesn't need to give you the definitive mm-hmm. ending but and then it came back to this and it was like okay clearly she's better and then it's like and now i'm writing this letter to explain absolutely everything that has occurred and this is what is going on now it's like did the tone well, shifted a bit too much for me yeah uh, mm, um so yeah well, disclaimer again yeah having not read the source material um I, I don't know how else to wrap this up other yeah you're not going to please you know i think we're kind of coming down to personal taste here yeah, um, yeah and not definitely. necessarily anything empirical uh that's you know wrong with the film but um as far as uh, the conclusion there but um for me um it, it, it was more how heavy handed the, the the themes were hit on then at the end like uh, you know for an astute movie viewer or anyone kind of paying attention you're picking up on the themes and then it was just really hammered home hard um not to a point that it really really bothered me but i just thought it was just a little too much uh hidden on the you know the shackles of silence and shackles of comfort type thing um but overall um i mean i, mean, I think i think it was a fine enough way to wrap up the movie um I didn't have for me, I also liked issues. it because I feel like we've... I, well, for me also, I, I, I'm i not normally one who likes everything wrapped up so so perfectly, and I wondered why it didn't bother me in this regard, because it normally would. I'm not usually that kind mm-hmm. of person. Yeah, I love a good ambiguous ending. Yeah. Right? Well, I, like my films, I often like to let the bad guys win because I feel it's more true to life, um, mm-hmm. and it's more appropriate for the story. Like, I'm a big believer that the stories have to go where they go, whether audiences give a fuck or not. That's not what the story should be focused on. Uh, but yeah. I like this one, so it took me some introspective to sort of be like, why? You normally don't respond to these kind of things. And here's kind mm-hmm. of what I think it is at least for me anyways the reason why this sort of very detailed wrap-up very obvious full circle i really liked i think is because we kind of spent an hour and a half basically with this actress tied to a bed going through her own personal hell uh so i kind of like the fact that we kind of get her get to see her get through it and thrive and come out better than she was when she went into the movie you know, I think I think had it been more of an ensemble movie or a movie where there's like more places, locations and things that maybe I would feel differently. But because of the fact that, you know, I felt so almost bonded with our lead, I'm really glad they did it. I also think like I've re- had several people say the same thing that you said, which is I wish they would have stopped it after the car crash. Well, one thing I do love about it being on Netflix you could stop the movie there if that's what you like. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to watch the last, like, five minutes. You know, so if you feel the last five minutes weakened the concept or the story, then by all means, turn the movie off. Like, you know, you have that power when it's streaming on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. although what you've got to do is the second it fades black, you've then got to fast forward to the credits and then let the credits play, because otherwise it's going to sit in your continue watching bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that does bother my... Uh... OCD there, yeah. I hate not seeing that completion. Yeah, <laughs> that bugs the hell out of me. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and all the other thing is, I'm glad they didn't make her the. So for me, I like the fact that he was a real life monster in actuality because I thought the contrast to her dad was so much more powerful. There's two villains in the movie: her dad, who does not look like a villain, and the other villain who looks exactly like she had him look in her mind. You know what I mean? So I Mm -hmm. like the fact that we showed two very different real-life monsters, one of which 
we would not notice if he was standing mm-hmm. next to us, and the other one that we would notice if he was standing yep. next to us. And yep. I like the fact that she kind of was able to stand up to both of them. And a third monster being the husband, arguably. Not mm-hmm. as as the other two, clearly, however, still a monster in his own right. Yeah, just, yeah, monsters coming in all shapes and sizes, and yeah, they exist everywhere. <laughs> it doesn't look like anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Very comforting note. Night, folks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's a Sleep movie. well. It's a feel-good movie. <laughs> the laugh ride of it. It's going to win Best uh, Comedy at the Golden Globes, just like uh, Martian did. Um, yeah. Um, I know we're running a little long, but I did have a note here that I really wanted to get our guest's opinion on, and we'll keep it super tight, and then we'll ra- uh, wrap up. But um, maybe I don't, I don't have a ton of examples here at, at hand, but uh, I, for one, just one last kind of... Um, critique here uh is that for me it seems like most male protagonists are kind of atoning for their sins and while like the the female protagonists are atoning for the sins committed against them i.e you know the victim and so i i I don't know if that's just it feels like it's becoming almost a trope or that's just too much or maybe i'm just so tired of see um i mean we do get the catharsis of her confronting those demons but do you feel any of that or is that something that you notice I mean, I didn't notice it in regards to this film, because I also think she's coming to terms with the fact that she accepted it as she let it happen. I don't think that she, as a character, is viewing it kind of to be like, as simple as these people did these horrible things. I think there's also an element of, I made the mistake of being complacent. I let it happen, and I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, without mm-hmm. being victim-shaming or victim-self-blaming, I thought they kind of walked that line really, really smoothly in this particular film. Uh, even, like, with, you know, her accepting her husband and kind of, you know, accepting the fact that she didn't really know him and thinking that that was okay. So I didn't notice it with this movie. I definitely think that there's been a trend in the last couple of years, like, you know what I mean, with women sort of being the more victim roles. But I am finding, personally, in genre specifically, and that's kind of where my expertise lies, because I'll mm-hmm. be frank... 85% of the movies I watch are genre. Um, that being said, I am seeing more and more strong female characters that are, you know, going through various things that I've never seen them go through in the last decade. So I do think that we're changing away from that. I think as Absolutely. we see more women get in more prominent positions behind the camera, we are at mm-hmm. a high for women behind the camera. I think that's going to grow. Obviously, yeah, also because yeah. fifty, I think we're going to see stronger female characters outside of just you know quote unquote playing the victim. But again, like I felt that this was an empowered woman who was coming uh-huh. to terms with the fact that she's a victim in her youth. So and that prolonged her victim. The, the her ability to be a victim in her marriage and that so I felt it was right for this character without being too you know annoying because I will say normally I, I don't like seeing you know weak female characters they're just not my thing even yeah. you know, when we yeah. talked about The Shining you know one of the things that I I don't love about it is how weak Shelley as her, her character is I felt mm. that the wife was very you know certainly if you look to most films in the 70s I think the women are extraordinarily typically a secondary throwaway character you know 100 percent. yeah right so on. i think we're getting yeah. better but we're still not there yet but yes but yeah you're right more more women behind the camera uh and that i think will vastly improve oh absolutely and i think too like even wonder woman i thought was a really great example of that you know, I don't percent yes you know, i don't watch a lot of comic book movies because i find them to be too ter- stereotypical this is one that i watched because so many people I knew and loved said it was great and also because I wanted to support the director and I was really pleasantly surprised to see 
uh, a strong female lead. And also with regards to their marketing, I thought they really hit it out of the park. I don't know if you guys are aware and a little bit off subject, but worthy of noting is that Wonder Woman was the very first comic book film that did not feature the men, uh, the male actor's name nor likeness on any of the cover art, promotional materials, etc. It was all this woman who was for the most part unknown in name and her image. Um, which I think, you know, speaks to the fact that they wanted this movie to stand on it being Wonder Woman's film and not having to be carried by a man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And just look at the Justice League trailers now, and I, I can't help but think those were recut with the success of Wonder Woman, because she is the star of those trailers. Um, oh, as it I, should I, be. I can promise you they would be, because it was, yeah. I think it's the highest grossing comic book film if i'm not mm-hmm. mistaken don't quote me on that because i'm not again comic books are not my wheelhouse i'm pretty sure if it's not the highest grossing it is one of the highest grossing films mm-hmm. yeah I, that would not surprise me especially given just yeah i i i don't know if that's taking dvd and digital sales in i'm sure it is going to be the highest grossing overall like period just because yeah it's it was such a great film and I thoroughly enjoyed when we did our review of it with uh, with Nora and Colleen. It was uh, yeah, it's so much fun to fun. talk about and get get all of the things out that needed to get out. So, well, none of the women in that movie, you know, were victims in any capacity. Even like the the very side character of his assistant wasn't like a secondary. Per- you know what I mean? At no point mm. did I ever get the feeling that he treated her as less than, and she certainly didn't treat him as you know this godlike character it was just her boss and she's being respectful oh, yeah. dr poison yeah exactly uh, yeah. so i really like it that i thought it was really great so fingers crossed we'll see more of that yes absolutely <laughs> uh i feel like we could talk about all sorts of things for a long time but <laughs> we should probably let uh, part two we will have you yes we will have you back for uh, part two um whatever that might be so <laughs> Yes, when they yeah. do a sequel to Gerald's game. Or oh no, we will. Let's, let's, let's get together for something uh, slightly lighter uh, next time. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. I think we're all on board for that, right? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah, something a little campier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the emoji movie. Got it. There. <laughs> mm, too far. Overcorrection. Overcorrection. Come back this way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, we'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> So, um, where can uh, people find you, Jessica? Oh, I am all over the internet. I'm a huge fan of social media marketing, so you'll find me on Facebook as Jessica Cameron. The fan page is open. The personal page is maxed out. Sorry, I don't make the Facebook limit rules. I am all over Twitter, which is probably my favorite social media network. In fact, I can promise you it is. I'm at Jessica Cameron (laughs) underscore. I am on Instagram as actress Jessica Cameron, and you can also follow me on my YouTube channels. I do Scream Queen Stream, which is just me and my best friend, Heather Dorf, drinking and doing ridiculous stuff. And I also do a daily sort of random vlog called Inside My Indie Life, which is just everything inside my indie life. That sounds great. <laughs> Absolutely. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. Paul, you have any uh, last things? Uh, uh, I don't think so. Um, I, obviously, I'm not going to recover our social media stuff nope. we did, uh, at the beginning. So it really is only left for us to thank you again for coming on. It's been a blast. Yeah, thank you. It's so oh, much fun talking you. to you. It was an absolute pleasure. Anytime you want me on, just let me know. All right. We will hold you to that. that. (laughs) Yes. We're always uh, eager to have good guests, and you are a good one, so I'm sure we will have you back. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, darling. Mm, You're welcome. (laughs) And uh, with that, it's uh, goodbye for me. Yep, and bye for me as well. Bye. In case I don't see you. 
Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.